Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, William Liu. Joining me on this week's episode is uh, a former guest making his second appearance, Brad Vermutt. How you doing? Pretty good. How about you? I'm uh, I'm pretty solid, man. Pretty solid. This is the third time we've asked each other because um, <laughs> I've had to restart a couple times. My bad. Still um, good though. That's good. <laughs> so you might know Brad, uh, or you might know Brad better from his um, YouTube videos. Um, Too much hoops. They come out after every Raptors game. It's a very in-depth breakdown, especially defensively what the Raptors do. Um, uh, but you know, nowadays, you know, you're on Twitter a lot too. So yeah, trying to get my takes out there. Yeah, no, it's good, man. You got a very active account. Um, definitely using your platform, uh, which is really awesome to see. And um, yeah, so what we are going to do today is talk some basketball. So the Raptors have um, eight games that they're going to play. Uh, I guess they're called seeding games. They're no longer called regular season games. So, you know, eight games that they're going to play ahead of the playoffs. Uh, and they have eight different opponents. And so I, I thought, you know, it would just be good to go into depth and talk about, you know, how the Raptors match up with each team. Uh, starting with their first opponent, the Los Angeles Lakers. They play them on uh, Saturday, August the 1st um, at 8.30. It's going to be on ESPN. It's going to be a primetime game. Raptors only played the Lakers once this year. It was one of their best wins of the season, I would say. Um, <laughs> I guess I'll start here, though. How much of what the Raptors did in that game way back in, I think, um, October or early November, um, you know, translates to what might happen Um I guess a month from now. I, it's really tough to say because I think the Raptors were missing some guys in that game as well. Yeah. <clears throat> like I recall Chris Boucher had a, 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 that was one of his first big games of the season. And uh, yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure how much that means anything really at this point. <laughs> like mm. it, it feels so long ago. I'm not putting a ton of stock in like previous regular season matchups from this season, because I just think, like the Lakers are also going to be missing Avery Bradley. Um, I'm not 100% sure if JaVale McGee is going to play. He's one of the people uh, in the league who has asthma, um, right, which right. is uh, an additional risk for catching COVID. I haven't heard anything about him sitting out, but I sort of thought he would potentially be a, a no-brainer sit out. So uh, see what happens with that. Um, but yeah, the Lakers, one of the things about the Lakers, well, A, they this will be their second game. Uh, mm-hmm. They play the Clippers a couple days before. Um, so I'm not sure if they're like, this will be the Raptors first real test and the Lakers will already have a tough game under their belt. Uh, so they might be a little bit more polished. But the other thing about this game is the Lakers have very little to prove in these eight games. They are five and a half games ahead of the Clippers and will have no problem holding on to that lead for the first seed. Um, and, and home court versus the East is irrelevant. So I'm mm. not sure how hard the Lakers are going to go in these eight games. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I, I think that that should also be said, um, you know, for the Raptors as well. They are three games up on um, the Boston Celtics for second 
in the East, and there's pretty much no chance to catch the Bucks. I think they're six and a half games up, so that's pretty much impossible. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Too, you know, like this is it's a weird way to start just because there is going to be so little to go on, right? Um, you can't even look at how the Raptors match up against the Lakers last year, which they went 2-0, um, because, again, like that was just a completely different team. Like they traded half the squad for Anthony Davis. Yeah. Um, so I, I think really the only thing I wanted to focus on um, in this one is, well, two things actually. One, I, I thought it was really interesting the way the Raptors defended um, AD and, and defended LeBron. I, I think even though, as you mentioned, you know they were short some guys, they didn't have Serge Ibaka and, and Kyle Lowry, who I think both of them suffered injuries the previous game against the Pelicans. That was the one that were Siakam had 44. Um, you know, even though the Raptors were shorthanded, I think they will still approach defending AD and LeBron the same way. And, and I think you know what we saw a lot from this game was um, a lot of hard doubling in the post. Like yeah. any any time Davis caught the ball in the post, back to the basket, face to face in the basket, doesn't really matter. A hard automatic double, and yeah. um, so I, I mean, what, what what do you think? Do you think the Raptors are going to stay with the strategy? I think it makes a lot of sense, just because the Lakers don't have that many great shooters that you're that unwilling to 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 leave and 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 you know bet against. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's a big part of it. Is you know you you look at their lineup, so they have LeBron and AD on the floor. Uh, AD, not too much of a three-point threat. He's, he's okay, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then uh, Danny Green, obviously very good shooter. KCP, obviously very good shooter. But once those guys get off the floor, it's like, okay, we have Dwight, we have Kuzma, who's not really a knockdown guy. Caruso is okay. JaVale, Rondo, they're not really shooting. Um, they did pick up Markeith Morris partway through the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might give them another another option to stretch it out a little bit. Um, but at, with at least some of those guys on, like that's a perfect candidate to double off of, you know, if Rondo's on the floor or whatever. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons they're going to miss Avery Bradley a little bit in this restart um, is just like this, this is going to mean Caruso and Rondo have to move up in the rotation. Yeah. And I think specifically, you know, when you go back and revisit this game, um, oh man, I mean, Avery Bradley was really good. Like first off, he scored the first seven points for the Lakers, just opened the game very strong. And he spent the entire game um, putting a full-court press on, on, on Fred Van Vliet. Now, Fred had a good game despite that. He had some really big shots. and was one of the most eye-opening games from Fred this season that said, you know, um, he's ready to, to start and, and be a, a lead point guard. But, um, yeah, Bradley was pretty good. And I think, you know, it's hard for the Lakers to replace what he does. Um, yeah, he was having a really nice season for them. And, and something that he's really good at is getting around screens at mm-hmm. the point of attack. And I think that is is really going to hurt them because now I don't know if they're going to have to change their coverage a little bit or what. But uh, that was something he really excelled at was just getting over screens, and and I'm not sure they have somebody else with that ability that that he does. Yeah, yeah, and especially with that um, the intensity of the, the the pressure he puts on the ball. Maybe he's a little bit overrated elsewhere on defense, but I do think that that it is pretty useful, um, especially against teams that have have more dominant uh, guards. Uh, and I feel yeah. like you know if the Lakers end up facing. I don't know, like uh, the Grizzlies with John Moran or like uh, if Portland somehow sneaks into that eighth spot and, and there's Dame to deal with. Like, I think Bradley is going to be a miss on that front. But um, yeah, so I, I think that was interesting. And I also think that like, you know, um, the way the Raptors attacked, I mean, I, I guess really the one thing I kind of focused on through, sort of throughout um, rewatching some of these games was just like, how did Siakam fare? And, um, you know, the, the the matchup between Siakam and Davis, what, one thing I liked about this is that I, I think Siakam was willing to attack Davis, which is big, because there are some of these games, and we'll talk about later on, 
where Siakam sort of backed off and wasn't um, as uh, assertive as usually would be. But yeah. uh, in, in this one, he did attack Davis. He shot 25 times, but he shot 9 of 25. And I just think physically there wasn't a, an advantage that Siakam could present against Davis. So if he wasn't hitting his outside shots like he wasn't today in this game, he's not going to be that effective as a number one guy in this matchup. Yeah. You need him to be a little bit more of a creator, maybe even for for other guys. Yeah. And also probably having, uh, being able to put Lowry in charge of a pick and roll that involves Davis might be helpful as well. Just Mm -hmm. get him him thinking a little bit more and see if you can try to outsmart him a little. Yeah. Uh, And so that that, that matchup is tough. But luckily, I I think the, the good thing with the Lakers is that they have this really weirdly flawed team. Like, obviously, they're a really good team. But they're really flawed in the sense that, like, if they want to put their three-point shooters out there, um, if they want to put some of their more offensively-minded players out there, then their defense takes a hit. Now, obviously, you still have LeBron and AD, so you're going to have a really good backbone for your defense. But um, in this game, Siakam, anytime he got switched on to Kuzma, anytime he got switched on to McGee, even Bradley, any of the Lakers guards, uh, Siakam was going to work. Yeah, he Kuzma a couple times. Yeah, so I I think, you know... There is still ways to attack the Lakers and score on them, even though they're really good defense. I, I think Siakam, especially if they can create a mismatch, they could do some real damage. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then the, the the rest of it is just, I think the Raptors' bench is kind of better than their bench. Yeah, it's like the the Lakers, there, and there are a couple teams like this where they can put like a really good five-person lineup on the floor, mm-hmm. and then once they have to get out of that, you start to see some weaknesses crop up. There, I, I, and I feel like that way about a lot of teams is is it's either that or they have a lot of talented guys, but uh, they're not all necessarily two-way players and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. where it's like they have depth, but they can't really put out like an elite five-person squad. I think the Lakers are the former, where they can put out that elite five-person squad, but then it starts to fall apart uh, pretty quickly. One of the interesting things about the Lakers is uh, Le- like they can put out a lineup of LeBron, AD, Danny Green, KCP, and like Dwight Howard, <laughs> mm-hmm. or Markeith Morris, and and that's just a monster lineup. But because LeBron is so good with the ball in his hands, he can kind of play point guard. And uh, I like the size of that lineup. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, for sure. And and the size could be a little bit of an issue. I think for the most part, the Raptors have done a pretty good job defensively, even though they've been um, undersized in the backcourt with with Kyle and Fred. Um, they've really haven't given up that much. Um, defensively, but yeah, offensively, I mean, it is, I don't know, man, it is just a bit of a struggle sometimes when you watch some of these games and these guys are so small. Um, yeah. It is, a, it is a bit of an uphill battle. I, I think ultimately, though, like, you know, if, I mean, obviously containing LeBron's a big if, but, um, you know, the, <laughs> the Raptors, they did a lot of zoning, which I think, again, like z- the zones, the hard doubles and the posts and stuff like that, all that really just speaks to is just that the Lakers will end up putting guys who aren't great shooters out there. And you can pack the floor a little bit. Now, of course, you know, LeBron um, going hard in, in November doesn't exist, basically. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, you, it might be different in this scenario. But I still feel pretty confident. I think the Raptors actually hold up pretty decently against the Lakers. Yeah, and, and there might be a little bit of a natural letdown for the Lakers, too. You know, gearing up for that first big game against the Clippers. And then it's just mm. playing, playing, you know, the second game after that. Uh, you might just relax a little bit. So hopefully the Raptors can snatch that one. I'd like to get a couple early wins to just kind of take the pressure off, but I'm not 100% sure that's in the cards. Because I also heard uh, Nurse on 
I think it was on the Hoops Adjacent podcast, maybe. Sorry to plug mm-hmm. another podcast. No, oh, no, that was <laughs> great. That was a great episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was talking about how they'll probably use the first few games to kind of ramp into it, play hard for a couple of games, and then chill. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I'm not sure how hard they'll come out in these first couple of games. Yeah, that's completely fair. And Nurse has talked about maybe extending his rotation a little bit too, uh, which I, I think just makes sense, you know. Um, yeah. Some of the tougher games are more in the middle, like the, the Celtics game is tough. The Bucks game is really tough, and those are uh, in the middle of the schedule. Uh, the, the next opponent the Raptors play, uh, Monday, August the 3rd, so that's uh, two days in between, or one day in between. Um, I, you know, it's at one thirty NBA TV. Fantastic. I love seeing the Raptors in the afternoon. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the uh, the Raptors play the Miami Heat. And so the, the Raptors are 0-2 against the Heat this year, but it, it's very hard to draw solid conclusions based on those two games because the Raptors were hilariously bad uh, from three. They they well, they shot 25% <laughs> against the Heat in those two games, including Wait. the franchise worst, 6 of 42 in okay, game two. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask if that was that game. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, yeah, it was painful. I think that maybe their only game in the 70s this year in terms of scoring. It was ugly. It was yeah, ugly. and that was just like, I don't even think they got like the worst shots ever. They just sucked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, man. Uh, yeah, uh, for for that game, the Raptors, I'm pretty sure from the right wing, um, right wing three-pointers, um, I, I was looking at their heat map for this game, <laughs> and they were one for 24. Oh, man. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. And uh, this, this cool, game. Cool, like 6%. Yeah, no, it's it, it is it was it was really tough. And when you watch back on the film, I mean, like, yeah, some of them were contested, but some of them were just wide open shots for guys like Fred, who if he gets a like a decent look, he's pretty automatic when he shoots. Kyle can be streaky, and I think you know when he first came back um, from injury, that was the Heat game, the first one, and he shot oh, over okay. over eleven from that one. But that's understandable in a way because a Kyle's a little streaky, and b uh, you know he's coming back from injury. You know he wasn't fully himself. But yeah, yeah, it's it's just tough. I, I think defensively, this is where maybe we can we can we can draw more um, tangible um, takeaways from this one. I think it was interesting because they tried two completely different approaches on Jimmy Butler. One was they sent hard double teams at him, uh, and he had twelve assists in that game. And then another time they p- sort of covered him in single coverage and sort of more of a conservative kind of pick and roll coverage. And he scored more, but um, his assists were down more. I mean, between the two of those coverages, what do you think is the best one to guard Butler? I think probably. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not super worried about him like dominating the game. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I'm. I'm loath to to start throwing double teams at him, especially when he's on the court with like Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. Like guys can really shoot the three. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it. it uh, it might just weaken the defense a little bit. I'm inclined to play him a little bit more conservative. And if he starts, you know, destroying the Raptors, you know, maybe mix up the coverage, throw throw a few different looks at him. Um, but, yeah, like with his lack of three-point shooting this season, I think he's shooting like 24% or something wild. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, it just feels like you should be able to contain that that type of a player if he doesn't have that long-distance threat like – you should be able to sag off him a little bit and, and contain him a little bit more. And I also, this isn't necessarily relevant to the eight game uh, seeding games or whatever, but in the playoffs, I'm a bit curious if he is going to go down the uh, DeMar DeRozan path mm. where a lot of your efficiency is coming from free throws and, uh, and the other team can game plan for you and, and avoid, you know, biting on your fakes and stuff. 
and uh, and your efficiency just kind of drops off and it hurts the team a little bit. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great comparison. Like I told you, someone was averaging 20 points, six rebounds, six assists, um, shooting 45% from the field and 25% from three with nine free throw attempts per game. You tell, that, that's a DeMar DeRozan stat line. <laughs> Yeah, that is. But yeah, Jimmy Butler, obviously, you know, it's it's weird because he does have some advantages, obviously, defensively, um, you know, and, and yeah, I think his playmaking is a little bit better than DeMar's, although he DeMar's really taking a step up there. But yeah, I mean, it is interesting because I, I agree with you. I, I think playing him more straight up makes a lot more sense. I think, A, you put a bigger, maybe bigger is different, but okay, you put a like-sized defender in OG. Uh, against yeah. Jimmy, I think he'd be he he should be able to do okay. Like if I when I watched the film, OG was surprisingly bad on Butler. You know, I think Butler was able yeah. to sort of outmuscle, and then he's really good at like shifting and spinning and changing directions. And OG's um, not as good at that as compared to Butler. Okay, but I think on the whole, like you know, I, I'm fairly confident in that matchup. And of course, if you need help, you can bring Serge over. You can bring Mark over. You can kind of live with Butler getting to his 30 points um, because they're probably not going to be that efficient of a 30 points. Whereas, you know, the Heat, where they really make their money uh, is on the three-point line. I think they finished the season, well, quote-unquote finished the season, but I think they were number one in three-point percentage. Oh, for real? Yeah, like they were really good shooting the three this year. And it was kind of, um, obviously, you know, Duncan Robinson is, uh, yeah, they're number one in three-point percentage this year, 38.3% for a team, which is kind of wild. And really, they're able to put lots of shooters on the floor. Um, you know, obviously, Bam is not a three-point shooter, but and Butler's not a three-point shooter, but the guys around them, you know, you, Duncan Robinson shooting 45%, uh, Kendrick Nunn at 36%, which is decent when he's shooting six a game. Yeah. Uh, Jay Crowder, you know, he I mean, he only played one game for them this year, but he, you know, he's on 39% for the season. I, I think Heat fans are in for a bit of a surprise with that one because I think <laughs> he he on, on total on the season, I think he's 32%, but I think he had 39% for the Heat mm. over the course of like six or eight games or something, and he I think he's had like maybe one or two seasons where he shot over 33% or something. Um so I'm not I'm not super worried about his shooting in particular. Um, but yeah, that trio of Robinson, Nunn, and Tyler Hero, they can uh, they can drop some bombs. And then they missed Goran Dragic for a lot of the season, and then he mm-hmm. came back, and I think he was coming off the bench towards the end. Um, and, uh, you know, he's an interesting piece as well. Yeah, he's been kind of like their sixth man. Um, and he's been decent in that role. Like, when I watch it, you know, obviously when they turn it to the bench, it's just it reminds me of, like, Phoenix Suns, Goran Dragic. Uh, back when he was backing up Stephen Ash, where he would just come in and just bomb threes. And yeah, he's and he, play, really he plays a that. pretty hard nosed style too. I, I think it fits well with their ethos. Mm. Hard nosed, but also some some egregious flops. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same, same with he's a little louder esque. Yeah, I don't know what they taught them in Houston. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, another guy I like for them too is, is defensively, especially is Derek Jones Jr. Okay. Um, I think he does a lot of great stuff when they go to their zone. The, the Heat are somebody trying to cover for guys like Duncan Robinson who aren't necessarily the best defenders. I think that they rely on some zone coverage. Um, and Derek Jones Jr., I, I think he's the one who was guarding Siakam when he like got bottled up on uh, an end-of-game uh, yep. game scoring one. attempt. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, he, he's pretty nice defensively. I like him. I, not, not the best shooter, but uh, yeah, the Heat have some interesting lineups, I guess. 
Yeah, for sure. Because they, they do have like just a lot of wings and a lot of wings that have a little bit of a different special skill set. Um, to your point about the zones, I mean, man, uh, you know, the Raptors were just, again, just trash at shooting threes. So this was one of the most... It was like a college game, that game too, because um, the, the yeah. Heat stayed in a 2-3 zone for base, the second, third, and fourth quarters. Like maybe one or two possessions in between there, they played it straight up. But yeah, they basically it, said, well, we're going to play it until you start hitting threes, and the Raptors won 6 for 42. So It, it was it was disgusting. It looked like watching Syracuse yeah. basketball. Like I was, Yeah, it was tough. Uh, um, yeah, and again, I guess the, the big thing I wanted to, to, to focus on was really just Siaka versus Bam. Again, it's sort of similar to that um, Anthony Davis thing, where it's, if Siaka doesn't have a physical advantage against Bam, he's going to have to shoot a lot of threes, or he's going to have to play make. And those yeah. are... You know, he just didn't shoot a lot of threes. Uh, he didn't shoot the three that well in, in the first game against Miami. And um, it, it's just, I don't know, man. It, it, I, I guess one thing that bothers me with Siakam is sometimes that, like, okay, if he if the physical advantage isn't quite there, he might try to um, disengage from the game a little bit. And, you know, maybe if he's not having a good night or maybe it's not a good matchup, it's not wise to force it. But... Um, you don't you don't want to see a drop off in intensity though necessarily, and you still want to see yeah. Siakam heavily involved, and that's where I think, I mean, how would Siakam uh, score against Bam, or is it more of a just the Raptors got to get him a, a screen and try to attack a mismatch? It's tough to score against Bam. Like he's one of the best defenders in the league, mm-hmm. and he he is so big and and not just like tall and long, but he's really strong too. Mm-hmm. And then he also has incredible foot speed, so it's just like. He, he's one of the toughest guys for a guy like uh, uh, Giannis or Siakam to match up against because yeah. it's just like he, he neutralizes a lot of the advantages that those guys have. Um, so I think trying to, you know, work it around a little bit and maybe entice some switches with like a 4-5 screen, uh, trying to get Bam switched on to Gasol and get him out of, out of help position a little bit. Mm. Um, but again, I uh, you know, if if the Raptors aren't going to hit threes, then the the Heat can just go to their zone and not worry about those that screening action at the top too much. So uh, I think it will come down to like the team's offense needs to be good so that Bam Adebayo can't just like zone in on Siakam and sort of forget about the rest of everybody else. Because um, yeah, I think that is a, a tough matchup for Siakam. Yeah. And there's no shame in that, man. There's no shame in that. Like, I, no, I mean he's he's borderline. Uh, you know, he's a defensive player of the year candidate. So yeah, I mean that game. Um, I think after the All Star break, where Miami played host to Milwaukee, that game was man, that was eye opening with the way Bam was able to guard um, Giannis and just completely bottle him up. Um, yeah, he was awesome in that game. Yeah. Anyway, I, I just I think you know ultimately I think the Raptors can defend the Heat generally pretty well i mean look when they when they send the hard doubles at, at butler and trapped him all the time he had 12 assists and i think the heat scored 121 um in an overtime win when they played him more straight up and it was just like a regular kind of defensive scheme um i think the raptors held him to 86 points uh now the raptors obviously their offense was asked that game so they somehow they couldn't <laughs> win despite that but um yeah, I mean, I think they could defend the Heat. I mean, it's, it's so much of their scoring is on the perimeter with guys like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. And it's not that I'm discounting these guys, but I, I just wonder that, like, when you can really focus and zone in and try to, like, scheme away some of these things and really focus on this. And, of yeah. course, the physicality in the playoffs is different. Like, to, to rely on 
the guys who are rookies in the case of Nunn and, and Hero and then also uh, who's basically a rookie in Duncan Robinson. He played a little bit last year, but he's basically a rookie. Like To rely yeah. on those three guys to give you like 40 points per game, it's just... Yeah, I, I know, think they probably like are nice pieces who need to lose for a year or two in the playoffs before they start really really making big contributions in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but And part of that is... is or, or that probably led to them making the decision to get Iguodala to try and shore things up a little bit right. uh, af- uh, around the trade deadline, um, which will be interesting. Or no, that was a he was a buyout, right? Uh, Iguodala? Yeah. No, he came. Or he was the, just unsigned, right? He, no, he was in. He was with Memphis. He was in that. Oh, Memphis that's trade. right. He wasn't playing yeah. in Memphis. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, um, and, that, and that's interesting too, as you mentioned, because you know when you bring in guys like Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala. I, I, it does take away from some of the stuff that you because you can't run the same stuff that you run for, um, you know, a, a Duncan Robinson as you would for a guy like Andre Godala. Like you can't yeah, get him exactly. off two screens and then just have him pull. Like that's not yeah. what Iggy does. That's not what uh, Jay Crowder does. I mean, Jay Crowder chucks a little bit and sometimes he hits a lot of threes, but you know. Um, yeah, I, I think it it will be good for their defense probably. Like the the Heat are one of these teams that have. A, a ton of talent. Like I'm looking at the rotation: Butler, Bam, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, Derek Jones Jr., Jay Crowder, Tyler Hero, Iguodala, Goran Dragic, Myers Leonard, and Kelly Olynyk. Like those guys can all play, mm-hmm. but a lot of them are not major sort of two-way threats. Mm-hmm. Like you put Duncan Robinson on the floor, and he gives you a ton of shooting, but now he creates a hole in your defense. Tyler Hero, not an elite defender either. Jay Crowder, very good defender, not a great shooter. Um, Iguodala, I mean, he's been off for a year. I'm not really sure. I was going to say, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. But it's uh, the Heat sort of feel like one of those teams who just have a little bit too much depth of pretty good guys Mm. that they need to consolidate at some point in the next couple years. Yeah. Um, Hopefully they don't. uh... They don't consolidate because <laughs> <you know, laughs> Miami is scary as a free destination. Um, yeah. Okay, moving on. So um, the Raptors then play Orlando. Um, this is August 5th. So again, another day off in between. No national TV for Raptors Magic, which um, is just kind of merciful, really, because no one wants yeah. to watch these games. Raptors Especially already... if they wind up matching up in the uh, playoffs. We don't need to see oh, an extra game of it. We, we might have to see that once again. That's uh, unbelievable. Um yeah, so the Raptors are 3-0 and against the Magic this year. They played all three of these games super early in the season. It, for a while, it seemed like the Raptors were playing the Magic every other game at the start of the year. <laughs> it was a little awkward. Um, so the, the Magic, and now they're going to be without Jonathan Isaac, who had season-ending surgery. That's unfortunate. And uh, Alfred Camino, I think, is also out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to hit you with two quick fun stats, because I don't think we want to talk that long about Orlando. But um, Aaron Gordon and... Uh, Nikola Vucevic, both averaging four points per game against the Raptors this year. Wow. Yeah. Now, <laughs> in, in, all, in all fairness, Vucevic got, like, had an ankle injury oh, uh, yeah, midway yeah, through okay. the game. But, I mean, he he did play, like, multiple games. and um, Yeah, that's yeah. tough. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, man. Is there anything to say about the Magic? Uh, uh, one of the things about them is, be- so heading into this, the Magic are, have their games against Brooklyn, Sacramento, and Indiana. So this will be the first game against like a contending squad. Mm. Uh, so, you know, maybe they try to go a little extra hard and, and see, you know, how they match up against an elite team or maybe, you know, the Raptors shock them and, and beat the crap out of them. 
uh, I lean more towards the latter mm. uh, just because, you know, uh, losing Jonathan Isaac, I think, hurts a lot. Yep. And they, they're already a bit of a vulnerable team anyways. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think this is probably this is the Raptors' third game. And I think this section is where the Raptors will be like, okay, let's get some wins under our belt. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure we stay in that two, uh, the two seed if we can, and uh, and then put the foot off, take the foot off the gas uh, a little bit later. Yeah, um, this is one of those teams where I, I question like who's guarding Pascal because it's. I mean, Aaron... it looks like Aaron Gordon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's not gonna work. Or like Terrence Ross. Oh my, that's definitely not going to work. <laughs> no, they're going to be some hard double teaming. This is what's going to happen. Raptors going to move the ball. They're going to hit some threes. Yeah. You have Mark guarding Vucevic in the post. Like, this is, yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't want to count out the magic because who knows? DJ Augustine might uh, score 25 points in game one. And <laughs> But, I mean, other than that, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's just move on. Um, so the Raptors play the Celtics. Yeah, this, this, this is the first one that should be a win. Yeah, definitely. Um, the Raptors play the Celtics uh, Friday, uh, August 7th, so another off day in between. This is at 9 p.m., which is a little strange. I don't know why it has to be at 9 p.m., but okay. Um, yeah, so this one is the most important game out of the eight. It's you know, by far. I mean, you know, in, in terms of seeding and things like that, the Raptors have a three-game edge on the Celtics, uh, but the Celtics hold a 2 and one advantage in the season series, and so the Raptors can take this game and... Uh, I'd have to check the conference record, but I think the Raptors might be able to secure the uh, the uh, tiebreaker. But also, it's just important because, you know, damn, it's important to beat the Celtics, man. I mean, it sucks that we've already lost two times to them this season. Um, Yeah, what were some of your takeaways when, you, when, you, when, when you're thinking back on the Raptors-Celtics matchups this year? The Celtics are an interesting matchup for the Raptors because I feel like they are a little bit similar. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, like... Good point guard, good wings, pretty decent defensive big. Um, I think one of the problems for the Celtics is they can't quite get their best five guys on the court at the same time. Like okay. I, I think their best five guys are Tatum, Brown, Hayward, Walker, and Smart. And that's just too small of a lineup. Like your biggest guy is probably Tatum. Um, uh, but they need Daniel Tice. And, and he's been good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I, I love smarts defense and, uh, he, he's been shooting fairly well this season on, uh, on pretty high volume, I think. Yeah. 42% uh, on five, three point attempts per game. That is yeah, like, surprising. That's, a, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you want him on the floor, but then it's like, okay, well we take off like Kemba Walker then I guess, mm-hmm. or, or Gordon Hayward, uh, or, or Jalen Brown. It's a tough, it's a tough decision. Um, so uh, I sort of see Boston being in the same tier as Toronto mm-hmm. in terms of how they match up specifically. Like, uh, I think it's a it's a great matchup. <laughs> like, this is I really want to see this series mm-hmm. um, because there's just there's a lot of talent on both sides. Really, um, I think the Raptors probably get the get them once you start to get into like the seventh and eighth man. Mm-hmm. Um, they're pretty clear cut favorites, but uh, but that top six is pretty nice for the Celtics. Um, they're they're a real threat. Yeah, um, they're um, no, it's a talented team for sure, and and really, um, the the offensive firepower they have is is kind of difficult. I, I think you know, 
not to reduce everything to who guards Siakam, but I do have some questions as to how they guard Siakam because so Siakam only played one game against him this year, um, and in that game I think he had thirty three, he had five three pointers in that game. Uh, the one thing I noticed with Siakam is just I think he's a little bit too big for Tatum or Brown to guard, um, and then you know they don't really have like a natural kind of power forward. Like it's not like a Bam Adebayo on this team. It's not like a, an Anthony Davis on this team. Um, Tatum or Brown, they're really good wing defenders. They really are. But I think Siakam's just a little bit taller than these guys, and he's a little longer. And that's important because if Siakam can post you up and get the hook shot over you, or get the spin over you, or just shoot over the top of you, that's yeah. that's a big that's a big issue. And I I do wonder if the Celtics can actually adequately guard um, Siakam with either Tatum or Brown. What what do you what do you think about that specific matchup defensively? Tatum has been pretty pretty great defensively this season Mm -hmm. but uh a lot of what he does really well is is out on the perimeter and he's really good off ball too like that's one of the things that makes him a really good defender um in terms of matching up with siakam like that's a that's a tough matchup for anybody and i think what the celtics are going to need to do is have tice really active on the back line of that defense Mm -hmm. and 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 rely on that and, and hope that siakam can't pass his way out of it to to three point shooters um, and and the Celtics have been. Do you know where they rank defensively this season? I think they're top five. Um, they've yeah, been like really good at just swarming the ball and everything. They're like pretty that. good, and I I think Brad Stevens made some like adjustments to their defensive scheme because mm-hmm. I've I've been watching some of their games this season where it's like uh, they they just they look like they're running a little bit of the Raptors uh, sort of zone that they play, forcing mm-hmm. shots to the corners and stuff at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he he is a coach I, I trust to to some degree to to maximize what he can get out of his uh, out of his talent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I mean th- this is one that I can see going either way. I think in a series I like the Raptors just because once you get past the sixth person on the on the Celtics, now you get into like okay, Brad Wanamaker like Ennis Cantor. Mm-hmm. Grant, Grant or Robert Williams, Semi Ojale. I mean, Semi Ojale yeah. might be their best bet to guard Siakam. Actually. Yeah, that's not. I mean, it's not crazy if you can stay in front of them. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that'll be an interesting one. Yeah, it is interesting, um, and I think it's it's a really cool matchup because there's distinct advantages. I think both ways. I think one problem that the Celtics present is just um, they're so big across the wing that you're going to have a mismatch defensively for the Raptors and. Uh, you know, the way the Raptors guarded them this season, um, you know, you can have a guy like Fred guarding Kemba. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and you can have Pascal guarding uh, either Tatum or Brown, probably Brown. You can have OG on Tatum. You can have uh, Gasol on Tice. But that does leave Kyle Lowry guarding a guy like Gordon Hayward. And as much as yeah. I love Kyle and his his pesky defense, everything like that, you know, he plays above his size. Gordon Hayward's like a legit 6'7". Um, yeah, yeah. And like you know, with move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, not like an unskilled six seven. So yeah, um, that's you know that's that's a bit of an issue. But I also think that the way the Raptors can, uh, they have also have some offensive uh, advantages. I think you know obviously I think Siakam is going to do pretty well in this matchup. Uh, I think Kyle has always done really well against the Celtics, even though yeah. the Celtics. I do think that they, you know they could put Smart on him. Um, you know, Kemba's he Kemba competes defensively. He's he's not terrible, but he's just small. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, I, I think one thing the Raptors can do is just I, they have a scoring advantage at the center spot. I think Serge can really do some damage. Tyson's not a guy who's going to be a vertical defender, maybe at the rim, but like yeah. he's, he's not that tall. So if you post him up where you get Serge a, a, a paint touch deeper in the lane, he can shoot over the top with the hook shot. Um, and, and if you can lure him out to the three-point line, you know, if Gasol hits a couple threes or whatever, yeah, then then I mean it's like it's like Tatum on the back line of the defense, which is okay, but it's not it's not like having OG back there or something mm-hmm. with a bit more size. Yeah, and and that's one thing is I I, I want to know how Gasol does against the Celtics because um, he did play the first game the Raptors played against the Celtics that was the second game of the season and Mark was just terrible in that one man <laughs> I think he maybe went over um he had I definitely remember down the stretch in the fourth quarter uh he missed like two very easy short roll shots uh he got blocked by Jalen Brown at the rim leading to a turnover and a fast break um and then he he you know, Grant Williams took a charge on Mark. Mark, when does Mark barrel over people? You know what I mean. So, I don't know, man. Mark was terrible in that one, but um, yeah. I, I think Serge. You know, he Serge works really well in this matchup, and I feel like you know we're only talking about this specific game. But if the Raptors were to play the Celtics in a playoff series, I could see Serge starting over Mark um, as like a mid-series adjustment, just because I think Serge has a lot of advantages in terms of the way he can score against the Celtics. They're just not that good at guarding bigger guys who can you know, shoot the mid-range shot and also finish reliably inside. Yeah, it's a difficult skill set to match up against. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and another adjustment that I think the Raptors have up their sleeve that will be used in the playoffs, either against Boston or Milwaukee, whenever it becomes necessary, uh, is is uh, starting Norm over mm. Fred. Because um, that will just t- neutralize a little bit of that size disadvantage. Um, and, and he still does a lot of the same things that Fred does. Uh just just with you know higher release uh and and a little bit better attacking the rim as well yeah um the one issue there is uh, i I think you do put if you put norm into the starting lineup for fred in a celtics matchup um you're probably gonna have to go with kyle guarding kemba and i just feel like kyle's on-ball defense is just not um as good as Fred says. Like, Fred no, is just really not. good at it, right? So, Oh, he's a monster. And, I, I mean, you could put Norm on it, but then you're still having the size mismatch with Kyle guarding with, uh, with with Hayward. So, this, I mean, it's an interesting matchup for sure, and I, I'd love to see it. I think, you know, just from a basketball perspective, it'd be great. And I wonder he, if they'll put uh, Lowry on Jalen Brown at all. That's interesting. Just maybe doesn't have quite as much of a bag of tricks yeah, that's as true. Hayward. Similar size. Yeah, that's true. But, the, yeah, the handle's not as strong, and, um, yeah, the offensive game's just not as polished, but... Yeah, that's interesting. Um, the Raptors play the Memphis Grizzlies after that. Uh, Saturday, August 9th, another off day in between. 2 p.m., not on national TV. Okay. Um, yeah, so the Raptors have not played the Grizzlies this year. Um, JV was supposed to come back in late March to get his ovation, I guess. Um, no ring, unfortunately. But um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's hard to envision how the Raptors match up with the, the Grizzlies because, again, it's a completely different team. The Raptors never played this version of the Grizzlies before. Um, the way I'm looking at it is... You know, they have a, a lot of pick-and-roll threats. That, you know, John Morant, obviously, handling the, the pick-and-roll is, is, is tricky. And, of course, they have, a, you know, pretty decent guys who can finish. Like, um, Jaron Jackson is shooting the three really well, but he can also finish inside. JV, we know what he can do in the pick-and-roll. And then Brandon Clark, um, rookie, but he's averaging 12 points per game this year, shooting like 60%. Yeah, he's so. been nice. A lot of big-time big lob threat, uh, mm-hmm. put-back dunks, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then I even like like you know Kyle Anderson is a is a quality player, yeah. uh, Canadian kid Dylan Brooks. Yeah. Uh, oh, Dylan Brooks averaging like almost stretch. sixteen this year. 
yeah, he's been he's been nice. I picked him up on the wire in fantasy before the my beautiful fantasy season got torched. Wow. <laughs> um, and they have Justice Winslow as well, too, right? That's right. Is, yeah. Is he going to be playing? Um, I guess so. I mean, I, I think he was making some statements, um, but I, I think ultimately the Grizzlies are really motivated to go back to the playoffs. And yeah, yeah. and they're in terms of where they're sitting, they have uh, I think they're three and a half games up on the nine seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, uh, but there are three teams who are three and a half games behind them. So I think they're probably going to have to do a play-in game, no matter what. Mm-hmm. I think you have to be within four games to get the play-in game. Oh, the league uh, fucked and, them definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like by the time they're at their sixth game, they might have a they have no chance of catching Dallas, who's like seven games ahead of them. Mm-hmm. So they might just be in a comfortable spot where they're not too desperate for a win, right? Um, because nobody can catch them for eighth, and uh, and nobody really can. Uh, they can't leapfrog over anybody to get higher up. So uh, I, I think like those sorts of dynamics are going to come into these uh, seeding games a lot, especially with home court advantage not mattering anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if you're if you're the two seed versus the three seed, there's no advantage except for matchup. Mm-hmm. And if you're in the four or five seed, there's not even that. It's just like what side of the bracket you want to be on. So there's there's no incentive to try to jump from fifth to fourth or or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think those are going to be important things to keep an eye on. Yeah, for sure. And I love the Grizzlies too. I just want to throw that out there. Oh, they're, they're... they're a very exciting young team. And if you haven't been watching them, you should. They're like uh, the Hawks, but more fun and good. <laughs> and they actually win. <laughs> yeah. Their point guard plays a style that actually leads to wins. It's uh, pretty important. Um, although I do have Trey on my fantasy team, so I don't mind. It's, it's great getting <laughs> 30 points and 12 assists. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Raptors actually match up. I mean, I don't know, man. They're just a better team. So, I mean, I think you obviously need pretty solid interior defenders against some other guys. Uh, and, you know, it'd be interesting to see JV versus Marcus Gasol. Obviously, that's been not really a debate anymore because the Raptors won the championship. But it comes up surprisingly often for something. Like, no one ever debates, like, DeMar versus uh, Kawhi. I guess that one is so much. <laughs> there's such a big difference there that, like, no one's really going to make that argument. But um, yeah, yeah, it'd be, I mean, I don't know, it'd be interesting, and of course, it would just be fun to see Job. But I, I think Raptors win this one. It's not too much to look yeah, into. Yeah, I agree, yeah. and especially uh, like this will be sort of I, the next game that we're going to talk about is the day exactly after this one. Mm. So I think the Raptors will probably go hard in this one, try to get the W, and then take their foot off the gas for the next one. Right, and that the next one uh, for some reason there's a back to back, as you mentioned. Uh, Raptors play Milwaukee six thirty p.m. Um, on August 10th, it's on ESPN. Um, so I don't know, man. I, the, the more I look at the Milwaukee matchup, it's just it's just really tough. Um, I don't want to fall into the same trap as I did last year because I, I think I did predict that the um, the Bucks were better than the Raptors and things like that, and the, the Bucks are going to win. Whatever. All right, I, I was totally wrong. But like the Bucks are just a really damn good team, and defensively, yeah. um, they have really hurt the Raptors this year. So they're two and zero against the Raptors this year. One of them was early in the season. Siakam had early foul trouble. I don't know, man. I, I was also at a wedding, so I threw that game out the window. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I did watch their most recent matchup. And, of course, that one didn't have Norm. It didn't have Mark. But, man, I don't know. The Bucks defensively were really, really impressive. And this is another matchup where I think, you know, as we saw in the playoffs last year, 
Siakam struggled against the Bucks last year, man. He he only averaged like 14 points per game, shot like 40%. Now, granted, he wasn't hitting any threes at all, which is a bit of an issue. But um, you have Giannis guarding him, and then you have um, Brooke Lopez helping at the rim. That's just a lot for Siakam to get through. Yeah, he the games where he struggles, I find he tends to struggle against defenders who are bigger than him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Giannis sort of fits that Bam Adebayo skill set of, of being big, long, strong, and great foot speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you throw Brooke Lopez behind that too to help block shots at the rim, and that, that gets a little bit tricky. But uh, I do like that Siakam has expanded his range a mm-hmm. lot this season, um, better off the dribble. Um, and I also think that the Bucks have done a lot of their defensive damage this season with uh, drop defensive coverage. So when, when uh, somebody tries to screen at the point of attack, Brooke Lopez has dropped way down into the paint to sort of protect the rim at all costs, giving up a lot of three-pointers. I think they gave up the most in the league or close to it. Um, and, and that can be vulnerable if you can put five guys on the court who can all shoot the three. Mm-hmm. And the Raptors are one of the teams that has the ability to do that with no defensive drop-off. Uh, you know, having I think Gasol and Serge are both shooting close to 40% this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have, you know, Siakam, OG, Lowry, uh Fred Van Vliet, Norm, like they're all shooting at least respectable percentages, like I think over 35% and a lot of them close to 40. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's some vulnerability there for the, uh, for the Bucks. Um, but one of the things I did like that they did this season was bringing in Marvin Williams at the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, because I think that gives them a bit more versatility defensively. Um, he just has so such better mobility than Brooke Lopez does. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might allow them to switch a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But my uh, question to that is whether or not Mike Budenholzer will go to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I'm not 100% trusting his ability to, uh, to make the correct decisions. But uh, in, in terms of like what's changed from last season to this season, there, there are some big things. I think did – Wes Matthews wasn't playing in the playoffs last year, was he, for them? No, no. They picked him up. No, he wasn't. Dante DiVincenzo didn't really get a lot of run with them. Yeah. yeah. I think this is his second season, but he's looked he's looked nice this season. Like he would yeah. be a nice replacement for Bledsoe if uh if he's scared to shoot or unable to score. Yeah. Um and then uh and then yeah, Marvin Williams and Pat Connaughton's even looked pretty nice this season too. So they just have a lot of weapons and this is this is one of the teams that has can put a lot of two way players on the floor at the same time, yeah. even if one of their ways is a little bit limited. Yeah, I mean it's just they have such a good fastball, like it's just so hard to get them to adjust to anything. And I mean, you know, to Bud's credit, I mean, as much as we like to to poke fun at you know his inability to make any adjustments, he is a pretty good a strategy. And yeah, it's, he, it's, he might not need to. <laughs> that's exactly the thing, right? So. Um, and I, I think even getting a guy like Robin Lopez just helps him in the sense because now they have, uh, you know, if if in the case the, of Brooke Lopez getting into foul trouble, they still can maintain the um, the amount of rim protection necessary for the Bucks to, to, to succeed. Like that's basically the Bucks strategy is you cannot score the rim, period. You can hit some threes yeah. above the break. You know, if you hit enough of them, we're going to win and Bud's not going to make any adjustments. That's 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 kind of the whole story with them. Yeah. Um, and they're really, really good at some of the stuff. I mean, I mean, to to the point, like Siakam in that game, in, in the game after the All Star break, he hit five threes in that game, and the Raptors' offense still as a whole just couldn't really get it done. Um, yeah, they muck know, it up a lot. 
they're yeah they're just really good at that um and you know you you look at at the center matchup i i really do think that this is where sir or or mark losing all this weight really helps because i think if he has lighter legs he can get more lift into a shot um i i want i want mark to shoot like eight threes a game against the bucks when uh when he came back i think it was maybe after february like it, it was pretty pretty close to the shutdown but he had been out for a while and I remember him saying that he was watching the team play mm-hmm. and seeing spots where he should be shooting more than he was. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that he follows that he follows through on that. Mm-hmm. He did a little bit when he came back. He shot slightly more threes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, I'm hoping he, yeah, he really lets them fly, especially in this matchup. Yeah. And, and this matchup is also one that I'm curious of. Uh, if the Raptors will run out, they might not do it in the eight, the eight uh, seeding games. But in, if they match up in the playoffs, I want to see the lineup of Gasol, Serge, Siakam, OG, and Lowry. Yeah. Um, and just see if you can meet side with size and just, like, brutalize them. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, that is interesting because I, I think actually the Raptors defensively can hold up reasonably well. Um, yeah. You, like, Giannis, okay, so you're never going to say Giannis got shut down because that's just not true. But, you know, like, the Raptors held Giannis in check reasonably. Like, him shooting 5 of 14 for 19 points is fine. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and, that's, that's what your goal is, basically. <laughs> and that includes jumpers. Like, in that game, I, mean, I was actually a little surprised, but Giannis had, like, a turnaround jumper. He had a corner three. We know he's been expanding his skill set and stuff like that, but uh, it's still impressive to see it. But, um, you know, I, I think you, the Raptors have a decent uh, strategy to shut down Giannis. I think um, they kind of created those Giannis rules last year's playoffs. I think they could still execute them even without Kawhi defensively. Um, because you can have OG um, and, and you can you have Siakam and you even have a guy like Rondé who did a pretty decent job guarding Giannis and of course you have so much rim protection around them but yeah I think I think scoring. actually in, interesting getting the you know replacing Kawhi with OG I think that is is quite good I think defensively one of the things that could potentially hurt the Raptors a little bit more is is missing Danny Green's length as a as the two guard okay um, just because I I was watching. Uh, I was breaking down the the conference final series from last year, and there were a lot of instances where Danny Green gets switched onto Chris Middleton and is just a more bothersome player than than Fred VanVleet is for somebody that size. That's true. Um, so, so I, I think that could be a factor as well potentially. But yep. uh, as as you say, the the Raptors, you know, the offense is the, is the big question in this matchup. I, I think they'll be okay on defense. Yeah, Middleton's been. Decent in this again. I would love to make fun of Chris Middleton, but he's had a really good year. Um, you know, honestly, borderline All NBA, fifty, forty, ninety, something like that. Uh, he's just really good at shooting over the top. Yeah, he's and, got he's got a nice release. Yeah, because he doesn't really jump that much, and he's got great length as well. So he doesn't really need a lot to get a shot up. Um, but I mean, at the same time, anytime Chris Middleton dribbles, um, <laughs> it's a turnover. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true too. Especially when he tries to put it behind his back while the the Bucks are already <laughs> bleeding a twenty four to three run. That's uh, it's a great time for Chris Middleton to put it behind his back. Gotta get a little fancy with it. Oh man, that's 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 the time you got to put out that behind the back package, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're not really a dribbler. Um, yeah, this is just tough. I, I think really, you know, you're just going to need Mark to shoot a lot of threes. I think Serge really came out uh, in that game. Uh, after the All-Star break, Serge came out, shot a bunch of threes. I think he shot like 11, but he only made like two. 
It's yeah. just, you know, you're just going to have to shoot a lot and make a lot of above-the-break threes. Um, yeah. I, I, that's kind of a common theme sort of throughout uh, some of these tougher matchups is that the Raptors really do need to um, just get wet. Uh, but at the same yeah. time, you know, they do have some pretty good shootings. I mean, Yeah, they know, don't have to play really. I'm sure they will play Patrick McCaw, but they don't really have to play a non-shooter yeah. if they don't want to, Yeah, um, which is a, a nice luxury. And also, one thing you pointed out is that even if you do play a non-shooter like Rondé, I was watching back uh, one of the videos. Um, that's one way you can actually attack the uh, the drop scheme is that you know you could make a guy like Rondé who's getting guarded by Brook Lopez. You can give him the ball and have him drive, and he's basically got like a runway of I don't know if you set a good screen like twelve feet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and and Lopez will keep backing up. Closer mm-hmm. and closer to the rim, like it, he basically is going to back up all the way to the charge circle and yeah. then just put his hands up. Yeah, what, which is very valuable. <laughs> he's no, good at it. I, it's uh, unbelievable. He's really been one of the best defenders in the NBA just doing that. Um, so that that's the Bucks series uh, or the the Bucks game. The Sixers after that, the Raptors play the Sixers. Uh, day off in between. This is six thirty p.m. Uh, ESPN game again. Raptors two and one against the Sixers this year. I'm just going to hit you with a fun stat off the top. Joel Embiid in this in this series, he's, uh, he's played two games against Raptors, averaging five points per game on sixteen percent shooting. Woo, that's tough. That's uh, that includes the offer, mm-hmm. I believe, uh, in the first game against the Raptors, uh, which was beautiful. Um, I, and, I love that. Uh, that's still the pin video on your YouTube page. It's just, I mean, it's hard to beat. <laughs> my my favorite part. Actually, I just rewatched it before this interview. My favorite part was um, in the fourth quarter. There was a foul. Uh, against the Raptors before the ball is inbounded, so there was a, a free throw shot, and they gave <laughs> they gave Joel Embiid the ball just to shoot, just so he could get off zero, and he even missed that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Sixers have a pretty soft schedule. I'm, I'm looking at here. yeah. So they they have the Pacers, the Spurs, the Wizards, who will be have nobody. Uh-huh. Uh, the Magic, Portland, Phoenix. And then the Raptors are the first contender that they play. That's kind of unbelievable. Uh, yeah. So yeah. they, like, I feel like at that point, I, I, A, I think there's no way that Indiana holds on to the five spot uh, without Victor Oladipo and with the Sixers having this this strong of a, or this soft of a schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it'll be probably no problem for them to, to secure that five spot. Um, so they might be locked into that matchup and not really caring by the time they get to the seventh seeding game. Um, that's a possibility as well. Yeah, uh, it, it's hard to gauge with with these things, but uh, that the Sixers, I, I really want them to get into that five spot because I'm excited about a potential uh, matchup with the Heat in the in the first round. Yeah, that would be great. They do match up well, and plus the storylines would be great with Jimmy Butler playing against the Sixers. I also love that one of those fan bases with like high expectations oh, yeah. has to see their team go home in the first round. Yeah, I mean, it was I it was that'll be great. It was even fun when they played each other um, a couple of years ago. I think maybe twenty eighteen. Um, that was a pretty yeah. fun series. I think Dwayne Wade had a really big game one time, but obviously a very different team now. Um, yeah, yeah. So with the what, Sixers, oh sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say one, one of the things about the Sixers and and their sort of early season struggles. Or, or whole season struggles, depending on how you look at it, yeah. um, is is Al Horford just has not really seemed good. <laughs> it, but in a way where, like, I feel like he is a better player than what he has been. And I wonder, I, I heard him a quote that made me think, oh, maybe he was playing through an injury or something. 
Mm. And I'm wondering if he's going to come back a little more refreshed after this break, a bit like a Mark Gasol situation where he just looks a bit more like his old self. Mm. And, uh, and that could be big for the Sixers if, if, they, if he can sort of give them the defensive push and he can hit threes and stuff like that. Uh, that would be huge for them. Well, look, there was no way this was going to go wrong. Like, it's not like you're going to not give a 34-year-old <laughs> power forward uh, a max contract so he can play out of position. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is – I didn't think anyone would take the um, most uh, overpaid uh, backup center uh, crown from Timothy Mozgov or Bismack Biombo or – but yeah, I mean, wow, um, he's been really bad this year. <laughs> Just yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate because we know that Al Horford is not he's he's much better than he has been this year. But obviously, I don't think the role for him this year just fit. It didn't really make a lot of sense. It's a tough fit. And before the break, I think they were mixing him coming off the bench a little bit here and there. But mm-hmm. then they had the injury to Simmons. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious to see what they'll what they'll do in terms of starting and finishing too. Yeah. That's the other thing, because one of the things this like this is one of those teams where, like, they can put five good players on the floor, but then if you start swapping out like Korkmaz for Horford or whatever, then it's like, well, Korkmaz isn't really as good of a defender, and your size advantage goes way down. Mm-hmm. So it, it just it's tough because when you have Embiid and Simmons on the floor, that's already two non shooters. It's a bit like the Heat, and you need to surround them with other shooters. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, so I was looking back at some of the film on this on the series um, the Raptors played against the Sixers um, this season, and kind of defensively, the approach was similar to the way they guarded the Lakers. Is just a lot of hard doubling in the post. Um, and yeah. he, even when he was on Gasol, well, we'll occasionally see really hard double teams. Al Horford uh, on posting up Pascal. I, I don't even think that's an advantage. Uh, still a hard double team. When Tobias Harris was. Um, trying to post up Serge Ibaka, a hard double team. These are strange situations where you don't necessarily anticipate double teams coming, but because there's so little shooting on the Sixers, you can do that. And Yeah, exactly. You're not leaving yourself super vulnerable on the weak side or whatever. Exactly. And there's, so there's just always, um, you know, advantages, I guess, that you can create as a defense and maybe create, like, turnovers and stuff like that. Obviously, Embiid is a guy who's you know able to turn it over. Tobias Harris, not really a high-level passer, so he's going to make a very basic pass, maybe just back on directly out to the wing, and you know then you can really give yourself a chance to rotate. Horford a little bit tougher because he is a decent passer, um, but yeah, I mean like there's a lot of hard doubles in the post, um, a lot of zone defense for the Raptors, and of course the Raptors can play their two center lineup, which is um, always just kind of fun because it yeah. is just cool to see Pascal run point guard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I think uh, yeah, I think Nurse is kind of saving that that lineup for the playoffs and I'm curious to see like where he decides to trot it out eventually. Mm-hmm. Well, we know he'll, he'll do it against the Sixers. I mean, he, he did it. Yeah. Obviously that was the big uh, in-series adjustments that um, the Raptors made against the Sixers to get past them last year. And, and we saw a little bit of it only in desperation mode, but remember that game when they lost in Philadelphia, um, they were down because they had a really bad third quarter and in the fourth quarter, they started throwing this big lineup out there, but then they also played a full-court press with it. I, it was so strange. <laughs> you would not think having two centers is a great opportunity to play a full-court press, but it worked really well. Yeah. Um, and I think Rondé was out there, too. Like, it was like a super big lineup. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't know. I, I think the Sixers, they, I just don't think they can score very well against the Raptors. If you can keep Ben Simmons out of transition, which is tough, but, you know, if you can do that, 
the Raptors are fine everywhere else. It's just scoring on the Sixers is a little tough. And yeah. th- that's where I'm looking at a guy like Fred VanVleet. Last year, Fred was terrible against the Sixers in the playoff series. But this year, Fred's had some really good games against the Sixers. He's had over 20 points twice. You oh, know, wow. If Fred can, you know, just basically be Fred against the Sixers this year, I, I think, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's just one game, but. Yeah. I, I also think it's an opportunity for, like, yeah, Norm as well yeah. to just, like, showcase his expanded arsenal this season. Um, and there's there's been, yeah, I don't know, just enough, like, internal improvement from the Raptors that I, I think they have the ability to still handle a team like, uh, like Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last game, the Raptors play the Denver Nuggets to end their eight-game schedule. Again, at this point, there might be nothing to play for. Um, so it is very difficult to anticipate and, and predict how this thing is going to go. Yeah, it might be a lot of O'Shea Brissett minutes in this one. Yeah, um, which I'm, I'm, I would love to see. Hey, listen, <laughs> um, you know he's 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 earned it. Maybe we see some Paul Watson in this game, but um, sure. assuming it's a regular game. So the Raptors are 0-3 against the Denver Nuggets in the Nick Nurse era. Um, but I, I, I do have to add the caveat that Marcus Gasol has played in none of these games. And okay. you just want to have, I don't know, maybe Marcus Gasol guarding Nikola Jokic yeah, it instead seems like of Boucher. Sort of <laughs> perfectly built to match up against him. Yeah. They've even synced up their weight loss. It's it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. It's... This was a tough game to anticipate, but um, yeah, the, um, the Nuggets are good. They they sort of feel a little bit like Philly, just in terms of like their top end talent is is super good, mm-hmm. and then there's maybe just a couple of weak spots or or their depth isn't quite there. Yeah. But like, uh, and one of the things that hurt them a little bit this season was they missed Millsap. I think he missed like 20 games or something. Mm. Um, and he's obviously a, a really good two way player. But yeah, you go you go through their their rotation. It's like Jokic, Millsap, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Jeremy Grant. Like that that's pretty good uh, pretty good talent there. Jamal Murray too. Yeah. Monty Morris is nice off the bench, and then they have a couple good wing defenders and uh, Torrey Craig and Malik Beasley, Michael Porter Jr. I don't know how much run he'll get. Um, but yeah, the, like they have a they have a pretty nice team. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. Yeah, like they deserve to be in the three seed. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, 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 this is a, a tough one for me to anticipate. I'm I'm not as familiar with the Nuggets as I am with the other teams as well. Um, but yeah. uh, obviously, uh, I think Will Barton's had a really good season for them, and Gary Harris has been playing good as well. So mm-hmm. they're they're dangerous. Yeah, I mean Harris really came on stronger as the year went on. Um, I think he started off a little slow, but. He was pretty good in that game against the Raptors, I felt like. I thought, you know, it was a little surprising to see him make a lot of those shots. Um, but, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's just everything revolves around Jokic. Like, there's just not... I mean, it's a good team, um, for sure. But if, if you can just, like, not have to double-team Jokic, which is tough. Most teams have to double-team Jokic. If yeah. you can just not double-team Jokic, and it's a lot more of Jamal Murray trying to create a pick-and-roll, which you can do, but he's kind of streaky that way. And then the rest of the guys, even though they're capable offensively... Not that worried. I think with the, the the Raptors, you know, they have a lot of great defenders. I, I think they can handle them one on one, and it's really just like not having a double Jokic, and that's that's the thing that the Raptors have had to do every single time. Like, you know, okay, yeah. OG, OG had seven steals and thirty points that last time, which was great, but like Jokic had, I think he had like twenty four points, like eighteen rebounds, like twelve assists. Like it was, yeah, it's still like pretty dominant performance. It's like, all right, well, what are we really gonna do? Because you're going against Chris Boucher. 
uh, and, and Rondé Hollis Jefferson. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, hopefully they, they don't have to do that anymore. Um, if Gasol plays and, um, I, I think Millsap yeah. will be dangerous for them too. Uh, potentially. I think he was missing yeah. the last game the, the Nuggets played against them. They were. And that's just like, I don't think you want him as a primary option, but if like Jokic can pass it to Millsap and he makes a play like that, I can see that leading to some some success for them offensively. But yeah. I, I also think the Raptors are built well enough that the Nuggets don't have a, a super clear advantage anywhere. Mm. Um, so I, I think it'll be okay. Who would you rather have at this point? Uh, Paul Millsap or Al Horford? Obviously they were teammates for a long time. Mm. Oh, that's a great question. I, I probably would go with Millsap just because like, I know he was injured this year, and if Al Horford wasn't injured this year, and he just says bad, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> um, um, yeah, that's that's where I would lean. Yeah, yeah, Millsap's had a really nice career for a guy who was second round pick. Um, yeah, yeah, he was in that Kyle Lowry draft. Man, damn, that's some of these guys are. Was it Paul Millsap who had the who dropped like five threes against the Heat when he was playing with the Jazz? I remember there was a oh, game. Oh yeah, the Sunday out of Gaines game. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna look that up. That was a great game. Yeah. Um, what? He had 46 points on 19 of 28 shooting against Miami. <laughs> oh my god! On the road too. This wasn't even like one of those weird Utah games. Yeah. No, I I watched it and it was just like a holy. He, Chris, like where was Chris Bosh? Like, did he play? Like, <laughs> he he went off in the fourth quarter. I think he hit like four or five threes in the fourth quarter to send it to OT or something. Wow, LeBron five of eighteen. That's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. <laughs> um, yeah, those those. I mean, the Jazz had some pretty decent players in that in that team. I'm looking at it now, like Millsap, Darren Williams, back when he was still good. AK forty seven, just a great player overall. Al Jefferson, okay, he, but he was pretty good back then. And then even Rajah Bell, like, that's a solid team. They had Gordon Hayward come out the bench. Yeah. CJ Miles. Yeah, that's not bad. Not a bad seven. Yeah, they've rotation. had a nice, like, revolving door of good talent and just haven't, you know, quite put it together to make a deep run. Yeah. Uh, are you following along this melodrama? This this is a, this is the shittiest version of uh, Kobe Shaq. Yeah, no, not really. It's like, like Gobert's mad because Donovan Mitchell's being ball dominant, but it's like, but Gobert, you can't do anything with the ball. Uh, Yeah, exactly. You don't have not passing it to you, dumbass. No, like unless you're dunking the ball, you don't have. Like it's not even. I don't even trust him to put up like a hook shot or whatever. Like you know. Yeah, yeah, and and I don't, I don't even really. Yeah, I don't get a lot of the hate that Gobert gets too. Like I get he's like a a feisty guy, but Uh I don't know. I, he's he's a little bit annoying, but I think the amount of hate that he gets is outsized. Mm. Um, and actually, something I'm curious about on that is if the Jazz do decide they have to move off of him, if he is sort of generally disliked around the league, mm. uh, I wonder if a, a smart team with a good culture will just like snap him up for you know cents on the dollar and uh, and use him as the backbone of their defense. Could be interesting. I was gonna say because he is a, still a really great player, like fan- yeah. fantastic, really, but. Um. Yeah, I mean, some of the reports. I mean, it's just bad. It's it's always bad when you see things leaked to the media, um, when things yeah. aren't kept in house. But then the stuff that's leaked is like petty too. Like because like so when Kyrie was um, you know, uh, basically uh, leading the charge of like, hey, should we really do the restart? You saw his teammates start to really leak stuff that would look bad on Kyrie, and that's what you yeah. can tell the rest of the team doesn't like him. 
Yeah. And it's the same thing with Rudy Gobert. Like, it, it's just the stuff that was leaked about, like, oh, Rudy, um, it, he just has a constant need to prove himself and stuff like that. It's like, all right, like, come on, man. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty damning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, they're, they're in it more than I am. Uh, so, but, it, yeah, it's difficult to tell, like, what is just a hit piece because of personal gripes and, and whatever else. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was it? Uh, so, so, this is from a recent article. Some close to Gobert believe that this blend of insecurity and vanity is rooted in his experience growing up in France as a gangly kid with glasses. It's like, come on. Some of this stuff is also unfair. Like, why did yeah, that's you... just like okay. speculation. So he grew up in France, like, like psychological makeup of being like a tall person. Yeah, like okay, <laughs> like I, most I, NBA players were say, probably like, like gangly teenagers. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, so I don't know. Um, yeah, so I, I didn't think we ended this podcast talking so much about Rudy Gobert, but um, <laughs> yeah, this was this was fun, Brad. Um, thanks for coming on as always. Yeah, definitely, really definitely check out your YouTube channel. Um, yeah, I'm, I've been breaking down the uh, every Raptors win from their championship run last mm-hmm. season, um, and I made it all the way up to uh, NBA Finals game one. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I think they lost game two and won game three. So I'm going to be breaking down game three probably in the next week. So check that out. All right. That's fantastic. And of course, when the season comes back, um, are you going to be continuing to do the recaps? Oh yeah. I'll be doing, uh, I'll be doing recaps. I'll be writing stuff on my Patreon, patreon.com slash too much hoops. Uh, you can subscribe for a couple bucks, get some exclusive content. Um, yeah, check it out. It's fantastic, man. Um, yeah. And then, Follow you on Twitter as well, man, because you're you're increasingly active on there, and uh, yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, to go see, for it. You know, so that's uh, yeah, um, that does for the podcast. Uh, Brad, thanks for coming on, and um, yeah, I appreciate it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 